I um, almost disappeared out into children's church during the, the worship time. And uh, Roger said to me, you need to come back. I said, well, I'm going to go play a game. And um, so I didn't get to go and play a game in children's church. I had to come back. So I thought maybe we could play a game uh, together instead. How about that? Um, how many of you have ever played a game called Simon Says? Yeah. Yeah, everybody knows the rules of Simon Says, don't you? So I don't need to go over them now. So we're going to have to start with a bit of silliness, have a bit of fun, and let's just check how many of you are really awake. So if you can, why don't you just stand up for a moment? And um, I'm going to trust you to be honest, because I can't watch all of you. We've not started yet. It's all right. I'll, I'll let you know when we're starting. All right, Matt? There we go. So we'll see how many of you are awake. I'm going to trust you, because I can't watch all of you at once, to be honest. And um, if you're out, if you make a mistake, to sit down. Okay, so here we go. Why don't we start by just loosening up. Give yourself a stretch. Okay, there we go. You can all sit down. Who's giving yourself a stretch? I didn't say Simon Says. I did say, here we go. We'd started that time. There we are. Okay, so sit down if you're stretched. There we go. Let's have some honesty going on in this place. Okay, so Simon Says, touch your nose. Simon Says, put your hands on your head. Simon Says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, put your hands in the sky. Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, point to the right. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, point to the left. (laughs) A few people going slowly that time. Okay, Simon says, touch your knees. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Touch your shoulders. Oh. You people that. Do one more time. So Simon says point to the left. Simon says point to the right. Simon says put your hands on your head. Simon says put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says put your hands in the sky. Simon says put your hands on your head. Oh. few people. There we go. Well done. Wait, you uh, sit down and give yourself a round of applause if you're still standing. Very good, very good. Okay, now we could all feel like we've been to children's church today. So some of you did really well, didn't you? Some of you were very good and you were standing at the end there and you did really, really well, as Simon says. Some of you weren't really concentrating very well. Some of you didn't really listen particularly well or pay attention particularly well. Some of you were out before we even really got started. The reality is that we're all prone to make mistakes, aren't we? We're all prone to misunderstand things, misunderstand instructions. We don't always get things right. And in fact, sometimes we can lose it altogether. And and it can be a little bit like that when we're trying to follow God and be obedient to him. I live a life in step with the Holy Spirit, a life of obedience. Sometimes we do really, really well, and it's great. And sometimes we're not really watching or listening or paying attention. Sometimes, in fact, we can end up getting things completely wrong. And because it can be so easy for us to make mistakes and to misunderstand things, all of us need all the help that we can possibly get along the way. And this morning we're continuing our series looking at the family DNA, looking at our values and light and life and the kind of people that we believe that that God is calling us to be. And we've got three core values that we've shared over the last few weeks. To love God, to love his church, and to love his world. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been unpacking what it really means to love God. Should pop up on the screen behind me. We, we split that down into three different statements. And a couple of weeks ago, John talked about how if we want to be a people who love God, then we need to be a people who are faith-filled. 
And last week I talked about if we want to be a people who love God, then we need to be a people who are God-centered. And this morning then we're going to talk about how if we want to be a people who really love God, then we need to be a people who are spirit-led and biblically anchored. Essentially, to be an obedient people, we need to be a people who walk by the Spirit in accordance with His Word. You see, being obedient to God is a demonstration of our love for God. That's what Jesus says in in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Jesus is saying, if you love me, express that love by obeying me. If you love me, then the natural desire of your heart will be to please me. And if you want to please me, then do what I've told you to do. You know, and all of us who have any experience with, with children, doesn't matter if you're a parent or you work in schools, all of us have had some experience with children um, as, as adults. And we all know that children will obey adults for different reasons. When I think about Evan and Simon, I know that there are times when they obey me because they want something. They obey me because they know that if they want that reward, then that's what they need to do. There are also times when they obey me because they fear me. And they obey me because they know that if they don't, there will be consequences and they will be punished. But when it comes to their obedience, there's no better feeling than when they obey me because they love me. Simply because they want to please me. You know, there's times when, when Rosie and I, we can ask Evan to do something for us and we get complaining and we get whining, but in the end he goes and does it. And that just leaves us feeling really frustrated. And there are those times when we ask Evan to do something and he just jumps up and he goes and he does it and he comes back and the look on his face shines with the fact that he loves us and he wants to be eager to please us. The end result's the same with both of them, isn't it? The end result in both cases is obedience. But when Evan is obedient out of love, it delights my heart. I believe it's the same with God. When we are obedient to him because we love him, it delights his heart. Shows us him how much we love him. When we do things that he's asking us to do, not out of a sense of fear, or out of a sense of duty or obligation, because that's what we know the right thing is to do, but because it's our desire to please him, because we simply love him, that expression of love delights God's heart. Because, you know, it's possible to be obedient to God and not to please him at all. To undertake the most sacrificial acts imaginable for other people and still not please God. That's essentially what we see with the Pharisees. They're people who were intellectually convinced that God was real. Intellectually convinced that they needed to live their lives to, to, in obedience to God, to fulfill these laws and rules and regulations that he's laid out for them. Intellectually convinced that they believed that if they did that, then God would reward them as obedient people. But when Jesus described them, he said they were hypocrites. Said that they made this big show of outward obedience, this big show of honoring God with their lips and the words that they said, but inside their hearts were far from Him. Their hearts were full of selfishness. And it's in complete contrast to that kind of obedience that Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. 
if you love me, you will desire to please me in any way that you can. So keep my commands. When your heart is filled with love for God, you don't have to look into some religious rule book to get an idea of the right thing to do. You don't need to the fear of someone looking over your shoulder, checking up on you to make sure you do the right thing. You don't need someone to dangle this great big carrot in front of you to motivate you. You obey God for one reason and one reason alone. Because you love him. Because you love Jesus and you want to please him. So my question to you this morning is very simply, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus in such a way that your chief desire is to please him? Is to delight his heart? So that you can't help but want to live a life of obedience to him? I think the honest answer for most of us here this morning is probably, yeah, I do love Jesus, but I know that I could love him so much more. And I want to. I want to love him so much more. And the thing is that love for a person isn't something that you can just muster up, is it? You can't just click your fingers and say, right, now I love this much. We can make a decision that we're going to act in a loving way towards somebody. But we can't just simply decide to manufacture a love for a person and a desire to please a person. And that's why it's so important that if we're going to be obedient to God, not just as a sense of duty because we know that's the right thing to do, but we're going to be obedient to God in a way that pleases him and delights his heart because we love him, then we need to be a people who are spirit-led and biblically anchored. Because you see, as we live lives that are spirit-led, we realize that we are completely dependent on the spirit. Not just to, to guide us and to lead us and to show us the right things to do. Not even just to strengthen us and enable us to then follow through and do those things that God's calling us to. But we're completely dependent on the spirit for something even more fundamental than that. We're completely dependent on the spirit to even be able to love God. For the Spirit to stir that love for God within us so that that desire is placed within our hearts to want to please Him. In Romans 5 verse 5, we discover that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's through the work of the Spirit within our hearts that we encounter and we experience the love of God. And it's through the work of the Holy Spirit within our hearts then that the truth of God's love for us that is demonstrated through his willingness to give his life for us on the cross shifts from being this intellectual fact that we acknowledge in the same way the Pharisees might acknowledge truth and instead becomes the most incredible act of love imaginable that captures our heart. And then in Romans 8 verses 14 to 17, this is what we read. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So having poured God's love into our hearts, the Holy Spirit begins to work within us to transform us. He transforms 
us from being slaves. From being people who might obey God out of fear. And instead he witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. That that is our identity now. So he replaces the, the fear of a slave towards a master with the love of a child towards their father. Having poured God's love into our hearts, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables a response of love within our hearts. He leads us to cry, Abba, Father, I love you. And when we're filled with the Spirit and we become aware of the fact that God has accepted us as his children, the Spirit doesn't just lead us to this intellectual place of being able to acknowledge it as true. The Spirit works within us to such an extent that there is a deep, affectionate, personal experience of the love of God that causes our hearts to be moved to delight in Him. That causes our hearts to come to a place where we, we say, Abba, Father. So you need to know the first thing that the Spirit wants to talk to you about isn't your major life decisions. The first thing that the Spirit wants to lead you to isn't the major ministry that God has for you. The first and most important thing that the Spirit wants to communicate to you is that you are a child of God. To remind you that God loves you. That he cares for you. That you have been adopted into his family. That you are a co-heir with Christ that you are a new creation. And at the same time as he communicates that truth to you, he then also wants to be stirring something within your heart in response to it. Stirring it up within your heart, this sense of a love for God, a delight in God, this sense of a cry within you that you can't contain, which just says, Abba, Father, I want to please you, I want to live for you, I want to honor you, I want to be an obedient child. You know, when you became a Christian, how did you know you'd become a Christian? It probably wasn't because somebody came alongside you and said, right, you are a Christian now. I would imagine that for most of you, you simply knew inside. You knew in your knower, in your heart, that something had changed. And what was happening was the Spirit was witnessing with your spirit that you had become a child of God. It's the first and the most important thing that the Spirit wants to talk to you about. It's to reveal the truth of God's love to you. To point you to Jesus and to stir up within you a response of love for him as your father. But while it's the first thing, it's only the starting point. The same spirit that witnesses with our spirit and talks to us about the fact that God loves us and that we are children of God also wants to lead us and guide us when it comes to issues of obedience and living that life of obedient love for God. You know, the fantastic thing is that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And he's not just with us then at at specific times or at key moments to to guide us in that major decision we're going to make. He promises that he is with us always. That he will guide us always. Strengthen us always. Comfort us 
always. Lead us. Always. You know, because the Holy Spirit lives within us when we receive him, we can rightly say that God lives within us. It's an incredible thing to try and get your head around, isn't it? Just ponder that for a moment. The living God who created the universe lives within you and me. You know, there's God the Father, there's God the Son, which is Jesus, and there is God the Holy Spirit. So the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, lives within you and me. We're able to have a real, living, personal relationship with a person of the Holy Spirit within us. I love Paul's prayer for the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. If you read it in the message translation, just as a, it captures the imagination. It says, this, it says, May the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's a great phrase, isn't it? The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Do you have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit? Is that how you describe it? You know, we can sometimes reduce the Holy Spirit to this power or this force that we feel and that works. But it changes everything when we realize the truth of the Holy Spirit as a person that we can know and be intimate friends with. And when we know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit lives within our hearts and is always with us, then we can go into every day conscious that we have a guide on the inside living within us. Conscious that the Holy Spirit is living within our hearts, leading us in God's ways. That as we go through every day, we have the Holy Spirit there to lead us and to help us, to show us what it is to be obedient to him in that day. And then as we go through the day and God gives us opportunities, we become aware of the Holy Spirit prompting us as to what it is to, we can do to make the most of them. And when we go through the day and we find ourselves getting caught up with the things of this world and distracted with things, and we find ourselves having a bad attitude about something, we find ourselves veering off of God's plan in any way, the Holy Spirit is there prompting us and drawing at us and bringing us back to God. Bringing us back on course. The fantastic thing is that unlike Simon says, where I'm here trying to catch you out with the instructions. I'm trying to make it easy for you to misunderstand something. The person giving you instructions, the Holy Spirit prompting you, is never trying to catch you out. He says, let me come and live inside of you. Let me guide you, let me lead you. Let me help you to live this life of obedient love for God in every moment of every day. Now, if we want to live a life of obedience to God that demonstrates our love for him, demonstrates our desire to please him and delight his heart, then it is important that we live a spirit-led life. But if we want to live a, a spirit-led life, then it is so important that we develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. So that we're sensitive to him. And we're aware of, of his promptings and his leadings. So, you know, the, the thing is that because the Holy Spirit lives within us, because the Holy Spirit wants this intimate friendship, intimate relationship with us, when we go through life expecting God to speak to us through this external, audible voice, we're likely to miss what it is that he's actually trying to say. 
Do you know, I've, I've never ever heard the audible voice of God. I don't know if you have. I know some people do. But I've never heard the audible voice of God. But you know what? I'm not looking for it either. And the reason that I'm not looking for it is because the primary way that God wants to speak to you and to me, to guide you and lead me, is by his spirit. And his spirit lives within us, not outside of us. In fact, looking back at what we read in Romans 8, the way that the spirit primarily communicates with us is by witnessing to our spirit. God's truth. If we want to be a spirit-led people living lives of obedience to God, then we need to learn to discern the promptings and the leadings and the witness of the Holy Spirit within us. You know, one of the biggest decisions that, um, that Rosie and I have ever had to make was our decision to, uh, when we, to, to leave Manchester and to move house when we were in Manchester. At the time, we were, we were living in a flat in a place called Didsbury, um, great student area, full of life, full of fun. Um, but unfortunately, it was a student dig, and uh, we were, Rosie was pregnant with Evan, so we knew we had to leave. It wasn't going to be an appropriate place to, to bring him up. And, um, but at the same time as knowing we needed to leave, we also knew that God had given us a heart for Manchester. We knew that God had placed us within a fantastic church family that we loved being a part of and we could see God at work in. We knew that God had given us both jobs that we were settled in, that that provided for us and were, were great. And while we were looking to move, God seemed to orchestrate things so that he connected us relationally with people we'd never met before who were based in North Manchester, starting a community there to reach out to that place where they were living. And it was an opportunity for us to move there and to be a part of that community and to have a house in that place, where, which ticks all of the boxes. That house would have been suitable for us to bring up a baby. It would have meant we could have both kept the jobs that we had. It would have meant we could have stayed a part of the church that we were a part of and that we enjoyed being a part of. And it would have meant that we could have outworked our heart for Manchester. It ticked every box. It made common sense. It was, everything was right. And yet inside our spirits, we could not get excited about it. Because inside in our hearts, despite it ticking every box, despite it making common sense, the Spirit was witnessing to our spirit, no, this isn't my plan for you. This isn't my purpose for you. This isn't what it is that I've got for you. In complete contrast, Rosie comes off the phone to her mum one day and out of the blue suggests moving to Cornwall. Makes no common sense. Ticks no boxes. No job, no house, no idea, no church family, nothing. Certainly didn't help us out work hard for Manchester. But even though in the natural, it was a suggestion that should have been dismissed out of hand, in our hearts, the Spirit witnessed to our spirit. This is what I've got for you. This is my plan. This is my purpose. You know, and if we'd failed to listen to the prompting of God and the Spirit witnessing to our spirit on that day, we would not be here right now. You know, at the same time as we were making that decision, we shared what we felt God was saying with, with the leadership of our church and with friends that we had in, in Manchester. And do you know what? The Spirit witnessed with their spirit and confirmed this is what God has for Pete and Rosie. We need to learn to pay attention to the Holy Spirit's leading to know what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, to know when he's showing us a a green light and saying, go for it, this is my plan, this is what I have for you, this is what I want you to be doing. To know when he's showing us a red light and saying, stop, or you're going to make a mess of everything. And to know actually when the light's on amber, and he's saying it's a great idea. In fact, it's even a God idea, but it's not a now idea. You need to wait. 
wait till it's my timing. I'll show you when to move forwards. You know, while I've shared an example of a time when the Spirit clearly spoke to us and we were obedient and we listened, I could also share examples of times when the Spirit's prompted us and I've ignored him. Thankfully, it's only ever been on much smaller things. No major life decisions, no big deals, but wrong purchases where you look back and actually you realize that at the time you had this niggle within your heart that was saying no, and you chose to ignore it. You know, the thing is that the Holy Spirit wants to be an intimate friendship with you, an intimate relationship with you, so he doesn't want to have to shout to get your attention. He wants you to learn to listen to his still, small voice and be obedient to it. Now, there are a whole bunch of, of things that we can, we can do and we can talk about to help ourselves to become more sensitive to the Spirit and more sensitive to his leading. And... Um, I don't have time to talk about lots of them today, but just to touch on a, on a few things. We can position ourselves in a place to hear him by stripping away all the static that gets in the way. It can be like being trying to tune into a radio station, and there's, you, you're there and you're trying to hear the voice of God and discern what it is the Spirit's saying to you, but you can hear these other stations crowding in around it, and this static crowding in around it because you're sp- spending your life and your time filling yourself with so many other things, pulling you in so many other directions. If you want to be discerning of the Spirit, be disciplined. Be disciplined with what you fill your mind with. Otherwise, it becomes very hard to hear him. We can position ourselves in a place to hear the Spirit by spending time with him in prayer, in worship, by sitting in his presence, by praying in tongues. You know, there is nothing like time in his presence to become in tune with his still small voice. I think probably, though, the most important thing we can do to position ourselves in a place to hear the Spirit is to anchor ourselves in the Bible. To anchor ourselves in the word of God. Now 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. You see just as the Holy God the Holy Spirit lives within us. It is God the Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible. Inspired the words of the Bible. And just as God the Holy Spirit wants to teach you and guide you and rebuke you and correct you and train you and help you to live a life of obedience to God, guess what? That's what the Bible's purpose is too. So the Holy Spirit will never lead you in a way which contradicts the Bible. He wrote it. So when you spend time in the word of God, it will help you to discern the Spirit's leading. It will help you to become in tune with what the Spirit might be wanting to say. And to know clearly if something is right or wrong. And if we're going to be a people who love God and desire to please him with lives of obedience, then we need to be a people who are anchored in the Bible. It doesn't matter where you're at today. I, I can say one thing confidently. God wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you through the Bible. It doesn't matter this morning if you wouldn't even consider yourself a Christian. The truth is that if you open up that Bible, God is wanting to speak to you through it. I challenge you to do it. It doesn't matter if you're a new Christian. God is wanting to speak to you through his word to train you and equip you and encourage you. It doesn't matter if you've studied the Bible for decades. God is wanting to speak to you through his word today and every day. The Bible is inspired by God. 
inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when we sit down and read the Bible, we need to sit down and remind ourselves of that. To sit down with an understanding that as we read the Bible, it is God himself speaking to us through it. Understand that the Bible carries the authority of God. You know, and it might be that that is something that you struggle to get to grips with. You struggle to get your head around and you struggle to to kind of accept the authority of the Bible and to trust it. But if we want to be a people who live obedient lives in love for God, then we need to get to grips with the authority of Scripture. It's absolutely crucial. Many of you have probably heard of um, of Billy Graham. He's um, still alive and kicking, 96, and... um, Great man of God who loves God and possibly, or probably, almost certainly, the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. Um, over the course of his life, you know, he's seen millions of people uh, give their lives to Jesus. What you might not know is that a defining time in his life um, was following on from his conversion and following on from his receiving of the Spirit. Billy came to a moment when he had to decide he was going to trust the Bible as the authority in his life. And at this point in his life, a number of his friends had begun to question the Bible, whether it could really be trusted, whether it was really true. And it threw Billy into a bit of a spin. And, and he wasn't, you know, he, he was genuinely wrestling, genuinely unsure, genuinely questioning. And he began to wonder if he could trust the Bible. And this is his testimony. It says, that night I walked out in the moonlight, my heart heavy and burdened. I dropped to my knees and I opened the Bible on a tree stump. If the issue was not settled soon, I knew I could not go on. Oh God, I prayed. There are many things in this book I do not understand. But God, I'm going to accept this book as your word by faith. I'm going to allow my faith to go beyond my intellect and believe that this is your inspired word. And he continues, from that moment, I never doubted God's word. When I quote the Bible, I believe I am quoting the very word of God, and there is power in it. And as they say, the rest is history. He went on to preach all over the world. So millions of people come to know Jesus and give their lives to him. And why? Because he based his life on the authority of Scripture. Because he chose to anchor himself in the Bible and make himself obedient to the Bible. C.H. Spurgeon once said this. He said, if God has spoken, listen. If God has recorded his words in a book, search its pages with a believing heart. If you do not accept it as God's inspired word, I cannot invite you to pay any particular attention to it. But if you regard it as the book of God, I charge you as I shall meet you at the judgment seat of Christ. Study the Bible daily. Treat not the eternal God with disrespect, but delight in his word. Treat not the eternal God with disrespect, but delight in his word. Now, when you approach the Bible, do you come to it? merely for suggestions or ideas that you're going to weigh up and decide what you're going to do with? Or do you approach it as God speaking directly to you today? Do you come to it for commandments and instructions? 
knowing that you can trust the Bible for what you are going to believe and for how you are going to live. You know, when we love God, and our desire is to please him by living lives of obedience, the greatest aids that he has given us are the Holy Spirit and the Bible. So if you want to be a spirit-led person, if you want to be a biblically anchored person, if you want to live a life of obedience that pleases God, what I want to ask is that you'll make two commitments. I'll tell you what they are before I ask you to make them. wouldn't be fair otherwise. I want to ask you, first of all, to commit to reading your Bible every day. I think that's a big thing to ask. And I think the easiest way to do that is to find a plan that will help you systematically to work through the Bible. Whether it be over one year or two years or three years, or maybe it's a plan that will help you to study through a particular theme through Scripture. Whatever it is, have a plan in place to ensure that you are going to read the Bible every day. Not just the bits that you like, but the whole thing. There are tons of things available to help you, whether it's books or apps on your phone or internet sites. There's no excuses in the age that we've got. You can listen to an audio Bible. You know, doesn't matter if, if you can read, doesn't matter anything. There is always a way to be able to read the Bible and to hear the word of God to you today. And if you need ideas in how to do that, then come and chat to me afterwards. So that's the first thing that I want to ask you to commit to. The second thing I want to ask you to commit to is to keep a list of all the times you sense the Spirit prompting you to do something. As you do that, I think it will help you to become more sensitive to the Spirit, because you'll be looking for it. If you know you're keeping a list, you'll be looking for it. You'll be expecting it. You'll be asking for it. So it will help you to become more sensitive to the Spirit. But not only that, it will help you in your resolve to be obedient to the Spirit. Because when you write it down, that's no longer just a thought that you can dismiss. It's something that you've written down and said, I believe that God has prompted me to do this, is leading me to do this. And as you do that, I believe that you will see God's care for your life, God's care for the details of every moment, his desire to be speaking to you and leading you and guiding you and at work in every moment that you live. And Henry Cloud, a Christian clinical psychologist, has shown that if you don't do something about what you believe God has said within three days of him saying it, then you probably never will. So if you want to be a people who demonstrate your love for God out of obedience to him, then we need to grow in our awareness of what he's saying through scripture and through the promptings of the spirit. And then we need to make sure he's following through. We're following through on what it is that he's saying. So if you want to make those commitments, and I want to ask you to make them and actually to do something about them today. To start your list. Because if you actually wanted to make those commitments, I'm going to tell you that what's happening is the Holy Spirit is prompting you today, so you need to start a list. That's your first thing you feel the Spirit is saying to you, so get it on your list. The Spirit is saying to me, I need to read my Bible daily, systematically, thoroughly. The Spirit is saying to me, I need to be obedient to his promptings and looking out and expecting of what it is that he's saying to me. So don't wait. Because if you wait, it won't happen. If you want to be obedient to God, do something about it today. What about then those times that you mess up? There's times when you feel God prompting you and you don't do anything about it. Put my hand up and say that I've had those times. What about those times when the business of life takes over and you look back over the day and you realize that you've not spent any time with God, you've not spent any time reading the Bible. I put my hand up and I say those days have happened. What do we do in those times? In those moments, you have an opportunity to remember God's grace and to remember God's mercy. 
and to fall on your knees before him again. Say, God, I'm sorry I failed. I'm sorry I haven't done what I promised that I would do. I'm sorry that I haven't lived my life in obedience to you. Thank you, God, that you are faithful to forgive. You have promised that when I confess my sins, you are faithful to forgive. That you wash me clean and you give me a new start. Thank you, God, that you don't condemn me. And so I choose not to condemn myself either. You see, God knows you're learning. He knows that your heart is to love him. To obey him. To live for him. And so he has given you the Holy Spirit and he has given you the Bible to lead you and help you and teach you along the way. Make the most of them. As we finish, I'm just I'm reminded of the starting point and how we, we started by, by saying that everything begins with the Holy Spirit being poured out into our hearts with the love of God. And stirring our hearts to love God in return. So that we're not just obeying him because we know it's the right thing to do. But we're obeying him because we love him and we want to please him. And that delights his heart.